This episode is proudly sponsored by EverlyWell.com. Physician-approved lab testing made easy with results you can understand. Get at-home health tests that are private, fast, simple, and affordable. Take control of your health at EverlyWell.com. Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. Alrighty then, let's get to it. Today we're talking about positive disruption as the lemonade of life. Yep, we're talking about rebel rousers and shift stirrers. And my first guest today is Daniel Burris. Daniel Burris is hailed as one of the world's leading futurists on global trends and innovations. He has delivered more than 2,800 keynote speeches worldwide and is a strategic advisor who has guided executives from Fortune 500 companies as well as small and medium-sized businesses to develop paradigm-shifting strategies for capitalizing on enormous untapped opportunities. Burris practices what he teaches. He started six companies, four were national leaders in the first year, and five were profitable in year one. And that is an accomplishment for those business owners who are listening. Dan, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Let's let's talk about um, the anticipatory organization because we were chatting prior to the start of the interview and you wanting to really clarify how applicable this book is for everybody. And I couldn't agree more. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, basically things happen to us from the outside in and we react. But to control our destiny, we need to create change from the inside out. It's an opposite approach. And change, technology change, is accelerating how, uh, at an exponential rate. But if you're moving exponentially fast in the wrong direction, you can get into trouble exponentially faster. In other words, how do we find direction? And uh, so far, uh, think of it as two sides of a coin. A lot of us have learned how to be agile. In other words, react quickly to changes that are taking place or problems that occur. But uh, that is a reactive 
strategy. And what I'm doing for individuals, for leaders, and for organizations is showing you the other side of the coin. It's a new competency, and that is the ability to anticipate problems before you have them so you can pre-solve them and not have them in the first place. Anticipate disruptions and change before it happens, turning it into a choice, and even anticipate amazing new opportunities. So what I hear you saying is you're uh, helping us have a, a crystal ball in a, in a certain sense. When we anticipate, we're, we're trying to foresee what could possibly happen. Um, yes, I think it's really helpful, but we, how, how do we do that? How do we actually anticipate every angle of a situation? Well, I think the key is you cannot accurately predict everything. The key is you can accurately predict far more than you realize and enough to make a very big difference. And I've done that, and this is uh, actually book number seven. The others have been New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers. So I'm not new at this game. I've been doing this for over 35 years. So it's a proven methodology. So let me just kind of give it to you very quickly. Um, there's no shortage of trends about where the future is going. And after all, we're going to spend the rest of our life in the future. It's good to think about it a little bit. The trouble is, which ones are going to happen? So one of the keys to the new book is separating what I call the hard trends that are fully predictable from the soft trends that are the ifs and maybes, those things that might happen. And, uh, and if you have certainty about something that will happen, you know this will happen, you have the confidence to make a bold move. You have the ability to say yes uh, to, rather than I'll have to get another opinion or think about this. So by seeing what will happen, and there are three categories very quickly. One is demographics. For example, there's 78 million baby boomers, and they're going to get older. They're not going to get younger. They're going to get older. That's a hard trend. And we can predict a lot of problems as well as a lot of opportunities based on that. There's also government regulation as a second of the three categories. And there are amazing opportunities in regulation. Most of us just don't like regulation, so we never find them. This is the way to see them, even for individuals. And third is, again, being able to see technology. And without being a technologist, you don't need to know the physics of a telephone to use it. You have to know it exists and then creatively use it. And I think we've got amazing untapped creativity in all of our listeners out there. What I want to do is help you to create your ideal future by becoming anticipatory. So the steps beyond identifying these three categories of the trends, the government regulations and technology. What do we do next? Okay, we recognize, you know, certain things are trending. Wallabies are trending. Now what? Good. Thank you. Uh, let me give an example. Well, let's make it solid. Um, I uh, live most of the year in uh, California. And in January, there were 1,000 new laws that were passed. One of those laws said that Within three years, this is a law, a real law, uh, kindergartners and first graders, half of their reading within three years has to be nonfiction. Right now, it's all fiction. And when you hear that as a law, you say, well, why are they doing that? This is stupid. Aren't there more important things they should be doing? But I believe in doing the opposite. Instead of all the things you don't like, look at what you do like. So a 28-year-old uh, teacher in San Diego, made three phone calls. He called the San Diego School District, the Los Angeles School District, and the San Francisco School District, and said, hey, you got this law, it takes place in three years. If I provide the nonfiction books for your kindergartners and first graders, would you be interested? And they said, yeah, we didn't know how we were going to do that. 
To make a long story short, they underwrote her business, guaranteed her them being huge customers, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. In other words, there's a method for finding the opportunity instead of seeing the crisis. You know, we think you know, we think the good old days of brick and mortar retail are behind us. And if you think that way, you'll close 170 Sears stores as the CEO did. But if you think the good old days of brick and mortar retail are ahead of us, they just don't look like the days behind us. You might buy Whole Foods as mm -hmm. Amazon did. So where is what is your view of the future? And as a matter of fact, uh, if you can give me one second on that, let me just give you this concept because I think it ties into the foundation of your program. And that is how you, how we all, how our kids, how we view the future to a great extent shapes how we act in the present. Um, hey, if, if you, uh, some people are buying Apple right now and some people are selling it because of their future view of Apple. Some kids are thinking of going to college and others are thinking of going to drugs because of their future view. How you view the future shapes how you act. And by the way, how you act will shape your future. Your future view will determine the future you. And I believe our future view is based on the past, not all the amazing opportunities ahead of us. And all those amazing opportunities are fogged in by the news. And I want us to blow away the fog and start seeing the amazing opportunity for every person listening to this show, your families and your businesses. I love your message. I absolutely love it because it's really about perspective, right? Do you, do you see your life as opportunity or adversity? And what you're saying is that it's, it's, it's not just taking an internal view, but it's actually calling upon us to take an external view to pay attention to what we see to read the news to to or, or, you know read the newspaper even what a, what a concept and and see what's going on around us and see where our interests can then match with opportunities we can create exactly you know there's an old statement if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always had but in today's world if you do what you've always done you'll get less than you've always had because the world has changed we got a, a unique human tipping point that we've never reached ever before in human history. We're doing things today that were impossible just two years ago, which by the way means two years from now we're doing things that are impossible today. This book shows you how to see those things before they happen. How to, and this is one of the reasons I'm very passionate about this book, if all we're doing is solving problems after they happen in a world of exponentially driven change, we're not gonna be happy campers on this planet. I want us all as individuals to number one, see the problems before they happen and pre-solve them. And secondly, to shape, actively shape the future rather than passively receive it. Oh. You see, we can, hope is not a strategy. And I wanna influence what we can influence. And certainty is a key to doing that. That's why I wrote uh, the anticipatory organization. Because by learning to anticipate you have certainty in an uncertain world. And very quickly, strategy, whether it's personal or business, that's based on uncertainty has high risk. Strategy based on certainty has low risk and high reward. So it's really, how do you find certainty in a seemingly uncertain world? And we're talking with Daniel Burris about his new book, The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. 
And he's talking about the future of you determines the future you. And I love that phrase. I'm, I'm going to, with your permission, I'm going to, I'm going to reuse that because it's really wonderful. And it's true. It's true. You know, it's like wherever you focus your attention is where you will find yourself. Absolutely. And I believe that our future view, and I'm talking about all of us now, and I'm especially talking about your kids' future view, it's based on a rear view mirror view of the future rather than a windshield. You see, why is your windshield larger than your rear view mirror? Helps to know it's up ahead. And when we all think, and when we all are thinking about the future, we're using our past perspective, everything that we've known, everything that we've learned, but today, we are in a game-changing world. The game is being changed, and it can be positive or negative. It's up to us. You see, the soft trend, the if or maybe a part, is will the future be better than the past? Well, I don't know. That's I can't predict that, but I can predict with certainty that there are tools out there to create a far better world than we've ever had. Soft trends, the reason I like them, you can change them. So if things aren't doing that well for you, hey, change it. And I've got a good example I can give you after we uh, take a little break, but uh, I, I want you to see the power of both hard trends and the soft trends, because hard trends will happen. The good news about soft trends is you can change them if you don't like them. And let's take that break now to learn more about Daniel Burris and all of his books, including the newest, The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. You can find him at www.burris.com, on Twitter at Daniel Burris, and on Facebook, that page is also Daniel Burris. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Wait just a sec. Before we head to the break, I want to share a cool health product with you. Let's be real. Going to the doctor is terrible, and finding time to get important lab testing done is almost impossible. Plus, this process is tedious and expensive. But now you can complete your testing from the comfort of home, thanks to EverlyWell. EverlyWell is an at-home health testing company that offers a variety of tests, ranging from food sensitivity to metabolism to thyroid functioning. The tests are private, simple, and all processed through certified labs. All you have to do is head on over to everlywell.com, choose your tests, and they'll be shipped directly to your doorstep. Then once you complete your sample collection and send it back to Everlywell's certified labs, they'll process your sample and send you your results via Everlywell's secure online platform within just five days. Everlywell takes all the guesswork out of lab testing and puts the power into your hands to complete a range of important health tests all from home. I ordered the sleep and stress test because I'm writing a book about the relationship between good sleep, stress management, and well-being, and I wanted to know more about my stress hormones. The process was easy peasy. Four steps, register, prep, collect, and return. My lab report will be delivered any day now. So no more sitting around in waiting rooms. Head on over to everlywell.com and use the promo code HAPPINESS to take 15% off your first order. Once again, head to everlywell.com and don't forget the promo code HAPPINESS at checkout for 15% off of your first order. Take control of your health today with Everlywell's at-home health tests. Now here comes the break. We'll be right back and that's a promise. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. 
find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are we happy yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about positive disruption, which is the lemonade of life. We're talking rebel rousers and shifters. I'm talking with Daniel Burris, and we're talking about his new book, The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. So, Daniel, in the last segment, we were talking about identifying trends, regulation, and technology as three segments to look at when... Um, looking for opportunities for creating this positive disruption. I'd like to talk more about how to become the disruptor. So how to be more of the um, initiator rather than the recipient of life circumstances. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, first of all, for those that want more, if you go to B-U-R-R-U-S, some people might type in I-S, uh, you will find uh, uh, on that website, uh, a lot of articles about how to do this, but there are three categories, and then I'll talk about the disruption. One, remember, is technology. Second is the demographics, and the third is regulation that allow you to see the future. Those give you hard trend certainties. And then one other comment, soft trends are the are based on assumptions. They're not based on future facts. And in those cases, you can change them if you don't like them. So your question was, disruption and change, how can we turn that into an advantage? And you know, the kind of change that people don't like is the kind that affects them personally and they didn't see it coming. But most of those changes you could have seen, you just weren't looking. Hey, when did people get burglar alarms? After getting robbed. When right. did people start working on, on their health? And it's when the doctor says, hey, you're huge, you gotta get up, you gotta walk around a little bit, you know, get out of that chair. When, you know, so we react and instead of anticipate. So in the case of disruption, uh, when you take a look at the book and my blogs and so on, you'll learn how to actually identify these hard trends, these certainties, and then, and again, they haven't happened yet, but you can see with confidence that they will happen, making disruption a choice. Because change and disruption are a choice when you see it before it happens. It's a default problem if you don't see them ahead of time. And again, that's why I was passionate about uh, being able to do this. As a matter of fact, let me give you a healthcare example, since healthcare is always on our minds. And that is 
I was just speaking to CEOs, a large number of CEOs of hospitals and uh, healthcare facilities, and they all are making the same assumption all of us make, and that is that healthcare costs will continue to rise, and they are thinking that's a future fact. But in reality, that's a soft trend that can be changed. Um, if we think it's a future fact, we'll just let it continue to rise because we yeah. all think there's nothing you can do about it. But in reality, you could wipe billions of dollars of waste out of healthcare if you used existing technology right now to transform for hospitals, purchasing, logistics, supply chain. If we used a technology called blockchain to bring transparency to healthcare prices, you wouldn't be paying $300 for an aspirin in a hospital. And you know what? We could actually lower healthcare costs. So you see, we make assumptions and think they're facts. And one of the things which can add to a lot of risk and uh, less of a future than you could have had. So in the book, what I'm doing is really helping people separate future facts from future assumptions because they carry different levels of risks and you can change a soft trend if you don't like it. For example, I don't like rising healthcare costs. Well, let's change that. Um, we've got increasing obesity in the United States. Been a trend for over 15 years. You think you can't change that? Yes, you can. That's a soft trend. For example, my sister is an executive at Manpower, and two years ago, they gave everybody in the company, and by the way, it's a global company, they gave everybody globally Fitbits and have weekly and monthly uh, challenges and prizes. Well, they've gotten off of cholesterol drugs, they've lowered their weight, in other words, they've actually got thinner, and they have less health care bills. In other words, they may not be able to change the world, but that's a soft trend. They changed it for them. So what are the things you think you can't change? You know what? I think that's an assumption. I bet you could change those. And one other that I think you will really like, and that is one of the tenets of the book. Uh, again, there's a bunch of principles in the book. I've got 25 ways of shaping the future by being anticipatory. One of them is take your biggest problem and skip it. And I got a feeling you'll like this one. <laughs> I, I like that title. <laughs> yeah. And you see, whatever problem you've got, well, that's not it. Hey, you're smart. You would have solved it by now if you're working at the right, on the right one. So I teach how to like peel an onion, how to peel it back to find the real problem, which is actually quite solvable. That is one element to it. And another element to it is to skip the problem altogether. Let me give you a very simple, practical example that just came up for me just recently. I got a call from one of my nieces. She's got her first job. And she said, Uncle Dan, I can't save money. I'm trying really hard. By the way, she knows it's possible because she's got an older sister that is able to save money like crazy. But this younger one can't save money. She has trouble. She says, I'm trying to save money. I can't. And I said, well, no wonder. It's the wrong problem. Why don't you work at how you spend money instead? If you change how you spend money, you'll save money by default. You see, she was working on the wrong one. All of us are working on the wrong one. That's why you can't solve it. In the book, I show how to peel the onion. Well, you know, you, you talk about healthcare. Let's go back to that because it's a great example. It's 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 not about cutting healthcare costs. It's about improving lifestyle. Exactly. So the costs it's, are less. That's the Fitbit solution, right? So you, it, it, and I, I think it's important to point out that it's helping people see that there's another logic that's required to problem solve in this way. Yeah, I'm working with a company right now. They've got a technology that'll be out and actually in kiosks and shopping centers and so on. 
And what you do is um, you uh, look at the uh, at the kiosk or your computer screen, and you see yourself. There's a it's like a video. And uh, what you do is you answer a number of questions. You know, do you smoke? Do you exercise? How often? You answer about 15 questions, and then you dial the clock ahead 20 years and see what you look like. And oh, then, fabulous! And, and then you know, and then you know what you can do: change some of the answers and see how it affects you. And uh, and you know what? That helps to see the future. It helps you to become anticipatory. And what am I talking about? I want to predict problems before they happen and pre-solve them so I don't have them. Yeah. Well, that's no, a no. way. I'm giving you an example. Yeah. Right? It's a, no, it's a really, really good example. You talk about what it means to be an opportunity manager. Elaborate on that. Well, and that gives me uh, uh, the thank you, the opportunity to give everyone an action in this interview. And that is that we tend to crisis manage our lives. We put out fires. We deal with the, the current situation. And, uh, and I believe we need to actively shape the future. We need to ask ourselves, what is the ideal future for you, for your family, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, and then plan backwards, getting more vague as you get towards the present. Why? Because now you know the direction. Yeah. And, and if you plan real specific for this year and next year, you may be going in the wrong direction because you didn't think of where you're really trying to head. So I want us to be thinking about that and to be the opportunity manager and not just the crisis manager manager here's an action for you right now and that is i would like you to spend one hour a week by the way this is doable one hour a week unplugged from the crisis the current situation and by the way hint put this in your calendar make an appointment because if you don't you'll just be in that putting out another fire but this is about opportunity managing and shaping your future so in that hour Instead of looking at all the things you're uncertain about, why don't you define all of the hard trend certainties that are shaping the future you are certain about because that has power. Instead of looking at all, and, and when you come up with a certainty tied to an opportunity, because I, I think a trend, whether it's a hard trend or a soft, is worthless unless you tie it to an opportunity. Then it, boom, pops into life. And you'll get a, you'll get a lot of them. And then big, big lists never get done. I don't want you to focus on the could do's or the should do's. Pick one or two must do's and make it happen. You know, I, I want to jump in here because I think it's important to clarify for people or bring to their attention. You talk about an hour a week. That is about what? About uh, what? Nine minutes? Ten minutes a day? Yeah. Eight minutes a day? Seven, no, seven and a half minutes a day. My, my math is terrible. Everybody out there has seven and a half minutes a day when uh, they would normally be noodling around on the internet for nonsense to, <laughs> to, to commit to being the opportunity manager and shaping our personal future. I mean, I get it. It's, it's very little investment for a huge return. A huge return because we all can do far more than we think. You know, uh, I was giving a commencement speech not long ago and, uh, you know, this last spring, and there's two things I'll point out very quickly. Number one was... Uh, don't try to create success for yourself because that's inwardly focused. Instead of a successful life, why don't you create a significant life because that's focused on others? And secondly, think big about your future and realize you just thought small. There's actually a bigger big. Never do the big, always do the bigger big. And the reason I wrote the anticipatory organization is to help people to actively shape a positive future for themselves and for others 
to not just react, but to anticipate because there's so much opportunity. I want you to see it. Thank you, Daniel Burris, for being my guest today. The book, once again, is The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. You can learn more at www.burris.com, on Twitter at Daniel Burris, and on Facebook, Daniel Burris. Dan Burris, thanks for being with me. Hey, it was my pleasure. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Sharing is caring. It's kind, free, legal, available 24-7. And we're talking about what it means to be a rebel. We're talking about positive disruptors and shifters. My guest now is Francesca Gino. We often think of rebels as troublemakers and contrarians, those among us who complicate seemingly straightforward decisions, create chaos, and disagree with the majority. But while rebels may be harder to manage, they are good for the bottom line. Their passion, drive, curiosity, and creativity raise the entire organization to a new level. In personal relationships, rebels form and foster trusted bonds. My guest is award-winning Harvard Business School professor and behavioral scientist Francesca Gino, who believes creative rebellion is essential to bringing joy and meaning to our lives. And we're talking about that book, Rebel Talent, Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in life. Welcome, Francesca Gino. Let's just jump right in here. I want to learn the top 10 reasons why we should become rebels. Well, first, we should become rebels because we're going to find more joy in all we do. And this is true of uh, what we do at work, but is also true of our lives at uh, home. So that's a reason. We'll also be ourselves. When we, we are often reluctant to be ourselves, at times even afraid. Uh, but by making ourselves vulnerable, uh, we can see our contribution valued at work and our ideas are spreading around. That's an important second reason. A third reason is that our life is going to have uh, a lot of happy accidents. 
Most of us don't give a lot of thought to fostering random encounters, but when we embrace accident, we're going to find many new sources for our ideas. Francesca, also, one, for one second, go back yeah. to that V word, because this is uh, such a fashionable word these days, thanks to Dr. Brene Brown, vulnerability. And when you think mm-hmm. about being vulnerable in the workplace, in the business world, out in public, um, oftentimes we think of being uh, embarrassed, exposed. And what I think you're suggesting in terms of becoming a rebel is by showing that um, inner mushiness, we stand to gain so much more. Yes, we are afraid of uh, telling others what our ideas or preferences are. Uh, we are afraid of showing others who we are, and we have that wrong. When we do that, even if that means uh, sometimes disclosing weaknesses or talking about our failures, others appreciate the information that we are sharing and they trust us more. So we can gain respect by making ourselves vulnerable. I love this. This is an important, important fact coming from a professor at the Harvard Business School. So, hey, it's coming from the top. So, Francesca, talk a little bit more about why becoming a rebel allows us to view situations, perhaps even conflict from a different angle. We all tend to approach situations from one view, and it's our own view, it's our own perspective. But when we approach problems with an open mind, we find much more interesting solutions. And so we don't go for the obvious answers, we think creatively about what's possible in any given situation. I like what you said about the thinking creatively, because it goes back to the idea of when we are in that rebel state, that we feel young, right? Rebels are are generally young, carefree, wild, and almost uh, seeing the world with childlike wonder or curiosity. That's exactly right. Uh, By being rebels, we have that same type of curiosity or openness to things that are new uh, that we seem to have lost when we become adults. We are much more careful about not upsetting others or sticking to the status quo rather than just approaching the world with curious eyes. And when we approach the world with these curious eyes, which... I, I, I like the way you describe this. What will we receive? What are the benefits? We are going to be surprised uh, in uh, all the possible answers that we can come up with. And rather than just taking processes for granted or just sticking to our routines, we're going to experience excitement uh, in life and also excitement out of work. There is a beautiful example that comes from my own personal life, and it's looking at my uh, son. And my son one day woke up and he was having milk for breakfast with cereals. And he was pensive, and he asked my husband whether he could have some coloring uh, to color his milk. And it was interesting to see my husband's face when Alex asked the question. And my husband looked at him and said, Alex, we don't do that. We don't color our milk. 
And Alex just looked at him puzzled and said, why not? And it's a beautiful question. And my husband struggled through it. And then he looked at me and said, mommy, we don't do that, right? And I just started smiling. It's interesting that we put rules uh, or constraints when, in fact, we could be approaching life just with that wonderful sense of wonder that we all had when we were children. And Alex is right. Why not color our milk if it makes the milk more um, enticing to drink? Exactly right. I tried it. It tastes just the same, but you're smiling as you're having your breakfast. So you're just bringing in a little bit more color, even if it's very early on in the morning. So Alex, the rule breaker, your son, <laughs> is is a model probably. You know, he should be making promo videos for you, for your book. Exactly. He did inspire me to ask questions more often and just to stop taking things for granted. So for me, living like a rebel is a matter of trying little things. And it could be putting colors in your breakfast or wearing red knickers in formal settings. Uh, but it's also a broader commitment to exploring ways of being in the world that may at first feel wrong, uh, possibly even destructive, but turn out to give us a lot of energy and excitement about what we do. Well, as a creative rebellionist, which I think is, is a perfect label for you, um, you combine in the business school and as a behavioral scientist, a way of approaching um, commerce that really comes from the heart. It's a shift. Yes, I think we... We think about rebels the wrong way. The book is really about rule-breaking as a constructive rather than a destructive gesture or force. Rebels are key individuals because they challenge the status quo in ways that drive positive change. And so I think that in a world that is becoming more uncertain with problems that are more complex, uh, the rebel allows to... Um, himself or herself and the organization he or she is part of to adapt and change um, as a matter of course. You know, it's funny you said about for the positive, because I, I was looking up the definition of a rebel rouser versus a rabble rouser, right? And, and, they, and they mean two different things. So what you're talking about is the, the being a rebel rouser, right? It being a positive disruptor. Mm -hmm, exactly. We seem to have a very fixed idea of rebels in the business world. So people like Apple visionary Steve Jobs come to mind. And these rebels, if you pay attention to the stories, are very creative, are innovative, but they're also difficult to work with. Sometimes we think of them as the control freaks who create chaos or who break rules just for the sake of breaking rules. People that you rather not have as a boss or an employee. But we need to shift our thinking. To be a rebel, doesn't mean to be an outcast. It doesn't mean to be a troublemaker. Uh, effective rebels are people who break rules in ways that are positive and productive. Yeah, I, 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 I see it. And talk about the, the, the upside for, for the rebel, him or herself, in terms of what it does to our own self-esteem, our own uh, uh, construct or way we view the world. So first, uh, people who fight rules, the rebels, um, 
they are going to surprise themselves. Uh, we all fall into very comfortable routines, and when we break away from them, we learn new skills, expand our interests, and we're also able to accomplish things that we didn't know we could accomplish. So people do gain confidence as they're breaking rules. And rebels also gain respect from others. It's a myth that rebels... Um, are not like or they even alienate people around them. Rebels are not the people who break the rules just for the sake of it. They break rules that hold them and others back. And in the process of breaking these rules, they gain respect and influence in the eyes of others. And I would think also that it it elevates our own uh, self-esteem, you know, our own sense of of self. And when we are, and not at the expense of others, I, I, I should probably add that that's really important, I think, in what you're suggesting, that it's for the greater good. Exactly. They create uh, a lot of positive change in organizations, and it's change that benefits um, not only the business itself, if we are in a workplace context, but also the people around them. They make things better. Very, very, very cool. The book that we're talking about today is A Rebel Talent, Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in Life. The author is my guest, Francesca Gino. To learn more about the book and her work and her awesomeness, please visit www.francescagino.com. On Twitter, you can also connect with her at Francesca Gino. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappy at harvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if... Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. 
Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We're continuing the conversation with my guest today, Francesca Gino. We're talking about positive disruption, rebel rousers, and shifters in the workplace and in the world. Her book is Rebel Talent, Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in Life. So, Francesca, at the break, you and I were talking briefly, and I asked you if you were feeling comfortable, and you said, well, feeling uncomfortable is a good thing. It can be a good thing. Explain that and how it relates to the rebellion, the rumble. Yeah, rebels learn that feeling uncomfortable is okay. I brought a few years back a little bit of disruptions into my husband's life. For Christmas, I had a very big box under the Christmas tree for him, and he's a geek, so he opened it up thinking that it would be the latest gadget, and instead he found a ticket. I had signed us up for improv comedy classes, and he hated it. And I thought it was wrong, but at the end of the first class, he did tell me explicitly that, he, in fact, he did the experience. And improv is all about putting yourself out there in new situations, and it feels uncomfortable. But what was really remarkable that captures the essence of where rebels do so well is that class after class, being exposed to new situations, to new situations, to new exercise, we both um, came to love improv. And improv has a lot of different um, key learning points that I think are good for the life of a rebel. One of them is this idea of embracing uh, each other's ideas. So in improv, the rule of yes and is quite important. And that really changed the way I think about my discussions with other people at work or uh, my conversations back at home. So when we're brainstorming, rather than shutting down others' ideas, now I take them for what they are and I add to them. I try to see the gem in the idea and add to them with the yes and uh, type of principle. So as in improv, rebels live life feeling uncomfortable and knowing that that is okay because that means that they're being challenged and they're not going with the familiar routine, but they're exploring something new. And it's interesting when you describe going to improv, that V word comes up again, right? The vulnerability that you're Mm -hmm. in this state, uh, you're in a room with people that you don't really know. You're being asked to sort of jump in and uh, take an idea and run with it, you know, on the uh, sort of the spur of the moment, come up with story. And one of the things that you write in the book, Rebel Talent, is about the deepening of relationships, And being in that state allows that to happen spontaneously. That's exactly right. Uh, We are often afraid of how others are going to perceive us. And so we choose to conform to their ideas or to their preferences or to whatever is being discussed in the conversation. And yet when we let our true colors shine through, and even if that means making ourselves vulnerable, others create stronger connections with us. They respect us more, they trust us more, they like us more. Because we're talking about a human process, right? When we go into the workplace and we are working with others, are negotiating contracts or strategically planning um, a, a program, it does require a certain level of willingness to be authentic, to be truthful and and risk failure. And maybe that's the, that's really exactly the issue right. we're talking about, the risk. 
Yeah, and often when we walked into situations, others might assume that we have all the right answer, but in fact, it's okay to ask them for their view. When Greg died, arrived at the BBC in early 2000 as the new general director, he found a very troubled organization. And many people in his role would have just gone in, figure out the vision, and then figure out how to delegate so that things got done according to his vision. And instead, what he ended up doing is traveling around all sorts of remote offices in the UK and show up in the lunchroom with this tray and asking people how is it that he could help them and how is it that the BBC could be better. And so rather than dominating discussions, he was asking a lot of questions. And it didn't matter if that meant that people thought that he didn't have all the answers. What we was doing by asking questions is gaining respect, giving the, the chance to contribute to the discussions. And by the time he met with everybody to express what he wanted to do, every single person was ready to rally up and help him achieve uh, the change that he wanted to introduce. Mm, I love this. Asking questions. I mean, asking questions does several things, right? It takes you out of self. It opens Mm -hmm. you up to curiosity, going back to that curiosity, wonder and delight. And I think for the recipient of the questions, it also sends the signal this person actually is interested in what I have to say, which makes connection. That's exactly right. By asking questions, we shift the focus to what you can learn about other people. And by doing so, we are building tighter connections and more trusted relationships. Talk about what it's like in um, your classroom when you have students, bright-eyed, the best and the brightest uh, students, who are there for, for business, and you're talking to them about the software of the human condition. So they're often surprised. Uh, Part of the reason why I like the label rebel talent is that we're rebelling against something that doesn't come natural to us because we're human beings. So we were talking about the idea of being authentic. We are fighting against this pressure to conform or to go along with what others are saying. So the students find the message to be quite refreshing. It's sort of a license for them to think about the way they can show up in their jobs once they leave uh, the MBA program here at HBS and not feeling afraid of really using their talents. and, And besides that, I think that we talk about emotion as being contagious when you empower somebody to lead in this positive rebel state, um, you're, you're really um, setting uh, an optimistic, hopeful contagion out into the world. That's exactly right. So rebels have a good effect on others. They inspire others to take actions and use their talents. And so they have a lot to uh, teach us. And so part of what I'm trying to do when I bring this contact back to the classroom is uh, talk about stories of rebellions of people who have been successful and they made others better off and they were contagious in their behavior. And not often I go to the most 
common places you would think about, like Google or Pixar. Yes, I have those stories too, but I also go to places where you probably wouldn't expect to find a rebellion. One of them is a fast food chain in the middle of Tennessee. Uh, the place is called Pals Southern Services. And that's a place where you're working at a station, uh, you have a set of routines and procedures that you follow. You probably expect boredom or you would expect the work to be tedious. And yet, even in such contexts, people can break rules productively. So, for example, at PALS, um, people are challenged in the way they do things. Uh, so, for instance, and this can be a small change in how we follow procedures, they learned about the order in which they are going to work through stations every day. It's a little bit of a way to inject novelty, even in situations where you're following uh, procedures in order to get the work done. Well, I, I, I love the analogy that you just shared. And it's funny that when we can um, learn the rules so then we know how to constructively disrupt them, I think is also part of what you're suggesting. You know, you, you, you learn how it's done well, so then you can not pick at it, but question, challenge, um, be creative in, in maybe doing it slightly different to improve productivity. Very true. Rebels thrive at the basics. They really understand what's there. They study it carefully before they reinvent it and create something new. One of the inspiring stories that um, is part of the book and really made me think differently about rebels is a story of an Italian chef. His name is Massimo Bottura, and his restaurant is a three Michelin star restaurant that back in 2016 became the best restaurant in the world. And what is curious and inspiring about Bottura is that it took very traditional recipes in a context where you really don't mess up with traditions. <laughs> the Italian <laughs> traditions where the recipe has been passed on for centuries. But he looked into them and he started asking questions. Um, why is it that we cook the meat this way? Why is it that we follow these procedures? He studied the traditional recipes very carefully and then he broke away from traditions and created something uh, really yummy but also quite inspiring for others. Great, great story. We are out of time and I, I want to challenge our listeners out there to go out and and be a rebel test what it what it feels like. It's not as hard as it looks, says my guest today, Francesca Gino. To learn more about her work, please visit FrancescaGino.com. On Twitter, she can be found at Francesca Gino. And the book we're talking about today is Rebel Talent, Why It Pays to Break the Rules at Work and in Life. And Francesca, I see this as a series, you know, to become these uh, shifters, stir, shifters, these uh, positive disruptors. And I'm so glad you're leading the way at, at Harvard Business School. Thanks for being with me on the show. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. 
Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Daniel Burris and Francesca Gino, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on Toginet, iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.